to single-payer activists with uh, Health Care for All Oregon, and uh, they'll be talking about how to achieve universal health care. We welcome that discussion, and thanks to Stephanie for bringing it to us. After a, a couple of announcements, we'll go right to that show. Thanks for tuning in to KBOO. KBOO is getting ready for our annual book and record sale. Your unwanted books, records, and DVDs are treasures to someone else. Help them find new homes while raising money for your community radio station, KBOO. Bring them to KBOO, 20 Southeast 8th Avenue, Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. We are accepting donations of books, vinyl records, CDs, and DVDs through Friday, August 11th. Please, no home-recorded cassettes, VHS tapes, or mold. The KBOO Book and Record Sale will be held on Saturday, August 19th. If you have questions or want to arrange for a pickup of donations, please email Ani at volunteer at kboo.org or phone her at 503-231-8032, extension 213. KBOO Community Radio is a proud co-sponsor of the Thirsty City three-year anniversary party on July 26th, starting at 8.30 p.m. at The No in Portland. The monthly gathering of beat and rap junkies will be celebrated with Joe Mousepad, City Mouth, Kebala Music, and more. Again, that's the Thirsty City three-year anniversary party on July 26th, starting at 8.30 p.m. at The No. 3728 Northeast Sandy Boulevard in Portland. More information is available at kboo.fm on the right-hand side of the homepage under Community Events. tuned to KBOO Portland. I'm Stephanie Potter, and this is The Recovery Zone, a show focused on healing our world. One big step in healing our world would be to fix our broken healthcare system, and my guests today are focused on making that happen through the organization Healthcare for All Oregon, or HCAO. Um, Today, so I have with me in the studio, HCAO board member Sandra Hernandez, who works with communities of color, immigrants, and allies in support of social movements. It was interesting, she also uses an interactive form of theater to evoke power sharing and self-expression from the spectators, and she calls them spect-actors, right? Yeah. yeah. Hello, <laughs> Thank you for yeah. having us today. Yeah, I love having you here. And, and her spect-actors, um, actually, you, you, got, you created the Oregon Health Equity Alliance and also created the Collective Health Advocacy and Rights of Latinos, Latinas, and Africans and implemented legislative forum theaters to work on policy changes. So you've been pretty active in this, right? Yes, that's actually, so um, since uh, 2007, when I came to Oregon from Washington State, uh, well, first I came from Brazil, I'm Brazilian. Mm-hmm. So um, then I, uh, when I came here, I uh, started meeting all the Latino communities and really I found out the many problems that we have and it was amazing that right away we start connecting with health issues and immigration and that was huge much more ever that i could imagine um so then in 2009 finally i had the opportunity to meet a to meet a very uh, you know a large group of uh, advocates uh, about healthcare uh, that wasn't specifically on healthcare i mean single payer but uh, that was really a great you know um, support and really encouragement to create charla which is the collective health advocacy for latinos and africans that we uh, we started in 2009 and throughout that we uh, then created in 2009-2010 with other communities of color like you know African Americans with uh, Oregon Action, uh, CIO, Center for Intercultural Organizing that nowadays is United Oregon and um, with Cash um, Apano, the Asians, uh, you know, um, organization in Oregon and uh, also with uh, Urban League. Uh, so with these great organizations, we created what we call Poe Check 
People of Color Health Equity Collaborative was just the beginning. But then we really got into the, you know, because we really want to introduce everything about health equity inside of Oregon throughout the, you know, the health reform. So then uh, it was just a step to create OHIA, which nowadays is what we is there, Oregon Health Equity Alliance, uh, 2012. That's when we uh, transitioned from Pocheck to OHIA. And uh, at the same moment, it wasn't by a chance that you know, we learned all the great work Vermont has done about you know, single payer. And that's when we started you know, putting together where we are now, healthcare for Oregon. Okay, so, so so you guys basically add this whole component. I think healthcare for all Oregon was around back in 2002 even? Yes. Yeah, yeah. but you guys yes. added a super component to it, it sounds like. And Lee Mercer, um, you were president of healthcare for all Oregon and now you're chair of their mobilization committee and he has a history of legislation, advocacy, outreach, education on issues related to poverty and hunger. And you've also been a business owner and a filmmaker. So you've sort of been all over the map, but now you're really focused on, on health care and making that happen. Yeah, I came to Oregon in um, 2000, 2007 and uh, worked for Oregon Center for Public Policy. And then I was the director of Main Street Alliance, which is organizing small business owners on progressive policy issues. Um, and from there, I discovered what Healthcare for All Oregon was doing as a statewide coalition. Uh, at the time, it was smaller, but it's grown now to 23,000 people on our database and 120 member organizations, including a number of the unions, churches, community groups, organizations of color. And we're building basically a movement to create universal publicly funded health care in Oregon. Um, we actually intend to go to ballot measure in 2020. There's over 20 other states in the country working on this state-based single-payer system. Um, five or six of those states are thinking uh, are, that would they would also be going to ballot measure in 2020, which could help the, uh, us to force the insurance industry to spend a lot of money in opposition to us <laughs> at the time. That would so be good all at that's, once. <laughs> that's the quick picture of what yeah. we're doing. Yeah, and and finally we have Kate Thomas, and um, you're a senior at Portland State University. You're studying health administration. You volunteer with HCAO, implementing and running their first intern cohort, and uh, you're working toward gaining a youth following for HCAO as well as achieving a single payer for all Oregon, right? Yeah, absolutely. I have had the opportunity to work with Planned Parenthood Advocates of Oregon as well as the Oregon Bus Project, and so completing those two fellowships, I was able to see what it takes to get youth involved and to get the conversation really excited about health justice. Um, and so I finished at the Oregon Bus Project and pretty much blew up the phone lines of HCAO and was like, I have so many ideas, like let's get this going. <laughs> okay. And we brought on three interns and working all summer long. So as I understand it, Healthcare for All Oregon got its start, as I said, back in 2002. Uh, managed to get something on the ballot, um, but it got defeated. And yeah, so, what was the takeaway from that? So in 2002, um, a, the, um, the Healthcare for All Oregon was a small group just based in Eugene, actually, at the time. And they managed to get on the ballot uh, a ballot measure, Measure 23, that was a single-payer bill. And um, in retrospect, everybody kind of agrees that it was poorly written. At the time, we had all the um, unions in Oregon not only not neutral, they were against the bill, oh, no. except for the Oregon Nurses Association, who did support it. Um, but it, it, it went down in flames in terms of the voters voted it down. Uh, it was really too early with too little public education. Uh, and other states have found the same thing, that it, unless you go out and educate the public in advance of doing a ballot measure, you, you're not going to win. Well, over the succeeding years, up through 2009 and the passage of the Affordable Care Act, um, people were kind of licking their wounds. But as the Affordable Care Act debate um, came up in DC, a bunch of doctors in Oregon called the Mattis Hell Doctors, who are all members of the Physicians for a National Health Program, went on tour throughout the United States, speaking out for single payer on their way to Washington, DC, tried to convince, along with other people, Congress to do a single payer as the option in the when the uh, Affordable Care debate was on, and that was left off the table by Congress and Obama, and even the public option was left off the table, and we ended up with what we got in the Affordable Care Act. But after the passage of the Affordable Care Act, 
Back in Oregon, the Mattisell Doctors, Healthcare for All Oregon, Mid-Valley Healthcare Advocates, Jobs with Justice in Portland, decided to merge into a statewide grassroots coalition that has built into the current Healthcare for All Oregon, working toward achieving it here in Oregon. Um, we actually have run single-payer bills in 2011, 13, 15, and 17, passed a, passed a bill to create a study on how to finance universal health care. That was reviewed in the last legislative session, and now it's clear that single-payer would cover everyone in Oregon for less money than we're spending now, and that's what we're kind of pushing for in our next steps. Right. So it sounds like, you know... I guess I guess the biggest problem that people are running into with it, though, is that like like something was going to pass in Vermont in t- 2014, and it actually got through the legislature, mm-hmm. but then uh, th- it didn't go through. And what's what what what? Are, and then it's, they, they were voting on it last year in California, mm-hmm. and again the voters didn't, or was it the legislature? Oh. Anyway, it didn't happen. Yeah, in Col- Colorado had a ballot measure last November. The voters defeated it, but a lot of the opposition was, well, A, spreading lies, but B, the true thing they will say, and the truth of this is, to replace the insurance-based insurance system in America, um, when you take all those dollars off the table, then you keep the Medicare and Medicaid dollars on the table because we would negotiate a waiver with the federal government to use those dollars for what they're used for now, health care, and then a certain amount of taxing in a state is needed to make up the balance of all that money that flowed through premiums previously. When you present that tax increase to voters, there's a sticker shock, and we need to prepare for that sticker shock by communicating the fact that all of us will pay less per capita, per individual. We're all going to pay less for health care when you go over to this kind of a system. And you'll no longer worry about premiums, co-pays, deductibles, out-of-pocket. You go to the doctor. The bill goes to the government. End of story. Yeah, but the, that first look at, oh, my God, I'm going to have my taxes increased mm-hmm. by so much. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't, I guess what the insurance companies are not saying is that, yes, but you're not going to be giving us money anymore. Well, piggybacking off of that, especially for people my age, you know, a lot of my friends are getting into like their real big first job and they look at their first paycheck and a huge proportion of that is taken out through taxes, which hurts, you know, no one wants a dollar taken out of their pocket. However... I think the super important thing to think about, as Lee was saying, when you take in co-pays, deductibles, premiums, it will be far less than what everyone is already paying now with the addition that you have guaranteed survival requirements there for you all the time, no matter who you are. So I think that's super important to take Guaranteed? Could you describe what guaranteed survival requirements are? Exactly? If So essential health benefits, that would be provided through a single-payer healthcare industry. Mm-hmm. So you as a person, no matter your background, no matter your ethnicity, no matter your income, you will be guaranteed those health benefits through having a single pair. Whereas now many of my friends don't go to the doctor because they can't afford the $40, $60, $100 copay and the treatment. And so they at a very young age are tr- choosing to have physical ailments versus seeking the help just because it's not provided. Right, right. Actually, I didn't even get insurance myself till I was 40. I just sort Dang. of blew it off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's and I because it was expensive. Mm-hmm. And then when I was in my 50s, it was exorbitantly expensive. I yeah. mean, it's just beyond the pale. So yeah. And just to add one thing, when I came here as an international student and I found out that I have to pay for my health care insurance, I was, what? Mm-hmm. So what you were saying, Katie, is <laughs> just like remi- made me to remember this moment when whether or not I want, I had to take that money from my pocket, which is a little you know, uh, graduate position, uh, 20 hours only a week. So it was so small money and still I have to pay for. Mm-hmm. So can you imagine for all students at the university be able, including international students, be here and really be able to do the best and take back to their countries or to stay here uh, as I'm doing. You know, I have been here, you know, for 18 years. Right. But single payer is what we are looking and we need it. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I agree. And th- and there's a lot of ways to make it happen. I you know I shouldn't as a impartial journalist say I agree, but I'm not impartial. I think it's like pretty important. Um, and I want to. How can I do it? I've signed again. up with you guys, by the way. So uh, so anyway, um, I want to just let listeners know I am speaking with. Uh, uh, people from he- here from healthcare from all Oregon, Kate Thomas, mm. uh, uh, Sandra, Sandra Hernandez, and Lee Mercer. And um, we're talking about how we can make a single payer system actually real. We, and they're working hard as hell on it here in Oregon. And um, you said 20 other states throughout the country are, mm-hmm. are hopefully getting this up. And maybe on the ballot, we're going to have a whole lot happening. Also, if people want to call in, the phone number here is 503-231-8187, and you can call in and ask questions. Um, there's a lot of opposition to it, and I think that's probably the biggest problem. The, the, it seems like all these other countries sort of got their single pairs and national health care systems going in kind of after World War II. But, I mean, all kinds. Japan has it, um, as you were saying, from South America. Even Brazil. Even we have Brazil. a very simple thing that we can call kind of a single payer yeah. for exactly the people that are low income, yeah. the most in need. They ha- we have it there. So they're trying to, of course, they're trying to defeat back, you know? Yeah. Because that's always about politics. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Take it away get rid of it yeah you know i know that in england they're having fights about it people but i don't hear like you know i'll hear canadians say i wouldn't want to be in america for the healthcare problems we're having what why is it so what happened to america why is it like this here i mean capitalism is a great thing on paper but then you enter in human air and so if you believe in capitalism through commercial competitiveness and you think that can benefit the health field then it totally makes sense why america is the way it is in that sense however i do not think health benefits should be a competitive market there should be the bare minimum should be required and then extra you know cosmetic surgeries or whatever the things that don't are not required for essential health benefits, then yeah, if you want to be competitive, but you can't apply capitalism to the survival of a life. It just doesn't work. And in all these other countries, medical care is really not about profit. Yeah. That's the issue, Mm -hmm. right? Whereas, like I I read something that, for instance, hospitals wanted the ACA, you know, the the Affordable Care Act or Obamacare, they... They, uh, the kinds of fights that were going on were we didn't want Medicare for all because Medicare actually, hospitals don't profit as much from mm-hmm. Medicare patients as they do from private insurance patients because private insurances provide smaller pools. Therefore, it's easier for, um, for uh, the hospitals to fight. I mean, Medi- Medicare can really like bargain, but these smaller mm-hmm. pools can't. Mm-hmm. And so hospitals are making big profits mm-hmm. off of insurance patients. Meanwhile, insurance companies would go totally out of business if you guys had your way. Is that the deal? That's would all these people be gone? That, no. And, well, I want to go to your original question first. How did we get here? How we got here in World War II, instead of wage gains, um, they decided uh, to um, – uh, have employers provide health care and and so a, a an employer based health care system began in World War II and started in lieu of wage increases because the war was going on they wanted to put money in, in the war they would give them health and health coverage and health coverage was really cheap then after the war Truman tried to pass a national health bill uh-huh. and the American Medical Association hired a couple of uh, advertising people in California who designed the most expensive advertising campaign in history to that time to defeat a national health program in the United States saying that this national health program was socialism and it, and in, that was in you know post-World War II right. and the this fear is, of communism, this is communist. blah, blah, blah. Yeah. <laughs> and so... They managed, and from that point on, the American Medical Association and the growing insurance industry built up this huge myth of um, national health care being socialism, uh, the Canadian system, you have to wait forever to get treatment, all of this urban myth that's been created. And this has gone on since 1949, and we're now beginning to see that myth being blown apart as people face, at the moment, 
Congress trying to take a take apart the American health care system and go backwards from the Affordable Care Act, and more and more people, even conservative ed- editorial writers in major newspapers are saying, you know, the Republicans and Trump may drive us to single pay. <laughs> I know. That I, works for us, actually. I've been reading that. Like 60% of uh, Americans now say that we want some kind of national health care. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and that that is sort of what's going on, that, that this whole fight is actually getting this conversation back on the table. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's very interesting. And, and so um, we don't have, though, we, we have the insurance companies and big pharma, of course, medical device makers. All these people are making plenty of money if we keep it the way it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, but how does, so how would it work? How would we actually get some kind of a program like that implemented then? I mean, like, like is it like to sort of, sort of gradually lower the age for Medicare or, I mean, what, what kinds of ways? Or you just want to do a smack all to, out? To achieve the savings necessary, some people talk about you know, you know, dropping the age on Medicare, but you don't achieve the savings from a single-payer system until you get the insurance companies completely out of the game. Uh-huh. If, if you do it incrementally, you have this huge 30%. So out of $3 trillion the U.S. is spending on health care, almost a trillion dollars is wasted money on paper paper shuffling between insurance companies and providers and so forth. Mm-hmm. It's wasted money. Right. I read that it was 20% is allowed under the ACA for administrative yeah. stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But And Medicare only pays Medicare's like 1.8% like or Somewhere three? between one and three? 0.8 and 3%. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's minuscule amount of administrative costs. That's like cost. hundreds of billions of dollars. Mm-hmm. So our bill in Oregon basically says that as you make the transition, first you'd need some upfront funding, but you would be building a system whereby um, you would negotiate with the federal, we would negotiate with the federal government, and Oregon has a long history, 30 years of history, um, negotiating waivers from CMS in in Washington, D.C. to to do innovative things to make sure people are covered in Oregon like the Oregon Health Plan. So we would sit down and, and with the federal government and get make sure that the Medicare dollars and the Medicaid dollars go into one big pot, and then we would put together the revenue program that would flow the dollars into this unified payment entity, and all providers would be paid by this unified uh, payment entity. and the, this needs to be built over several years after the bill is passed, but that's essentially it. And what happens then, as I said before, to the insurance companies? They're just gone? They're, that's interesting because there is a way. Okay, so I gave a, a movie that we show called Fix It Healthcare at the Tipping Point to the Global Benefits uh, Director of Intel Corporation. And she watched this movie and she said, wow, you know, that's impressive. Now, Intel Corporation is like a mini uh, single-payer model because they are self-insured. They don't buy health insurance. They have Providence and Kaiser help manage the distribution of their health insurance, but they are self-insured. So they're a mini single-payer system. We might, as we do now, have the health insurance Industry, uh, Kaiser provides healthcare besides selling insurance. Providence provide. They have hospitals. They have doctors, and right. so they would have a new role. They have a role in the co- coordinated care organizations now, but they d- won't be selling insurance policies because everybody's covered by the sen- single entity. So we'll still use Providence Hospital, Kaiser Hospital. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that whole administrative overhead that they're dealing with. Mm-hmm. And B, it might have some like portions of the what we want for coverage to really be, I know, the quality, that's something that might be, might not be possible to pass in our general um, um, system, mm-hmm. the, then the insurance company could offer if they are not offered as part of the whole. We are assuming this um, program, I think, right? Yeah, I mean, the kind of medical care available would be the whole range of services defined by the legislation and defined yeah, so by... Uh, it might know. be that we have some things that I know that insurance companies could still offer, but they, as much as they are not part of the whole package. Right. Yeah. So as Kate was mm-hmm. saying, like things like, um, you know, Procedures to make your face more beautiful. Yeah, or you know like things that, that are only really, really mm-hmm. the you know the needed for you know a 
quality. Okay. Being yeah. a human life. being and being a part of society, you deserve essential health benefits, as simple as that is. So many of my friends just go to Planned Parenthood to have essential health benefits, because you need that every day when you wake up. You need to know that your one and only body is good. Yeah. So we should provide that for everyone if we really do care about our communities. Right, well basically what you're saying, um, Kate, is that it's a a moral Mm -hmm. decision that we're making here. And like, it seems like in these other countries there is this sense of, there's an ethical, moral kind of thing going on where this is this matters and mm-hmm. for some reason that again yeah. is missing here you and know? if i can say something that was very important that katie also mentioned about the capitalism that people really think oh my gosh and like lee was explaining people think that we were looking to socialize mm-hmm. medicine hey wait a minute uh these are not conflictive things and because all the countries we're talking about that we have some kind of a a single payer, uh, like in Brazil, we are capitalists as well. You know, so that's that's not an excuse. Right. No way. This is no. This is old excuse. We have to take this out of the table right. and really start looking to essential health benefits. Mm-hmm. That's fundamental for everyone. And that's when we say right. everyone. That's actually is our logo. It's like keeping you know, our, our water. slogan. Uh, everyone in, nobody out. You know. Right. Like keeping our water clean or yeah. keeping, um, the, sure. you know, all these things that supposedly matter and also corporations get in the way of that happening. Yeah. But but and we do talk about these things mattering for our health. So why not our health itself? And you know? very important is prevention. Mm-hmm. People have right. to stop thinking about, I have to go there when I'm sick. No, it is about prevention. Right. Yeah. Healthcare, single payer, the way we are proposing is prevention for everyone. It's and that starting, also lowers It's starting costs. from the birth. Yep. Right. And lowering the cost for everyone in the society. Right. So we have to start understanding these are completely different things. We are not talking about any longer to just look for care when you are sick. On the opposite, you know, that's so it's the opposite way. Right. And I think it would be okay to say that the American way is really good at fixating on problems and solving that specific problem for that specific day. However, you know, it's 2017. Our government has been the way it has been for quite some time. Everything has a domino effect. And so if you do not think of the big picture, then it will totally dissipate, you know, a couple years down the road. And you know, in my opinion, what you were saying about preventative care, you know, if you're a 21-year-old female and you need to go get your pap smear and you don't get that taken care of, your bills can pile up so much more in the future if you do not take care of your body now. But in order to take care of your body now, your local government, your local authority needs to show you that they care about you. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And and I and I think preventative care is a huge part of it. Like like it seems like if we had a a government that was working for this kind of thing that um we would have uh yeah, we would have we would have to have uh oh blank. Do I do I have a call? No, I don't. Okay, great. Anyway, we would have to have like they do in England where they they actually do things to um keep people from getting sick like like they're and you would probably look at as you say the big picture what is soda doing to us the government's going to end up paying more for health care if people are drinking a lot of soda or smoking cigarettes or allowing things to be poisoned in terms of our air and water and maybe all of these things as you say with a big picture would start getting so, more and more addressed if i could give an example um very simple and i hope people will understand that that i came to learn since i came to work with families and last year uh-huh. which is about diabetes prevention there you go nobody ever talked about this even though the Center for Disease Control has already done tons of researches and created a, an amazing program that is about uh, diabetes prevention so now we are trying to find people that really want to participate in this kind of a uh, it's not a, it's not a like a simple health literacy education it is as well but it's also like a coaching coaching mm-hmm. session so it's about prevention because we have people don't imagine but one third of the American population is like you know an iceberg 
when we are talking about you know people might be with prediabetes already and people do not know right. so the costs already considered for the next years are huge if we don't do anything so for me i see in, the, in our single-payer proposal, we must have this kind of a program as part of essential health benefits. Right. So the, and that's for everyone. Now I'm working with Latino communities, of course, that's my main focus with Familias en Acción. However, I have been talking with colleagues from, you know, African-American uh, groups and communities and organizations. They're, hi, can you please help me to understand how this goes? For, yeah, let's sit down and talk. Yeah. Because that's what we have to do. Yeah. This is about everyone. It's not just about our communities. Might have a little bit more, you know, um, how do you say? Um, uh, pre- I, I forgot the word, sorry, in English. Uh, <laughs> that you are open. Oh, no, 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 sorry. <laughs> uh, oh my gosh, the underneath of the culture, not the culture, you know, our um, uh, Latino. Patriotic. Sorry? No, no, no. Are you talking about? You are. Gosh, it's a simple word. Anyways, <laughs> it's it might happen more frequently in our communities. Uh huh. So well, it's and it's basically like you say you you. But it is preventable. Yeah, that's the point. And people, for many people, for everyone, people get educated, and and it, that that doesn't even require doctors. I mean, that could be no, as you no, say, coaches. And no, like we that. are preparing yeah. community health workers, doulas, people right. that really can just sit there and learn and how to support the people. It's a, you know just a session of health literacy, but you know physical activities, and then somebody somebody. Some, 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 some about your, you know, the way you are eating and things like this. Yeah. But this should be part of our, you know, uh, total single payer. Well, it program. just it, again, it's common sense. Again, uh, it's not about greed; it's about common sense. But um, I want to say that you're tuned to Recovery Zone here on KBOO Portland. And this month, we're talking with three activists from Healthcare for All Oregon, Sandra Hernandez, Lee Mercer, and Kate Thomas, working for a universal healthcare system, which you're going to be getting supposedly on the ballot here in 2020. And a lot of things, as you were saying, Lee, have, have been going on with um, Healthcare for All Oregon since 2002. Like... Um, some of the stuff that you have already gotten on the ballot, could you talk a little more about that? Like, like there was a study that was passed. There was something with the Rand Corporation. Right. There was, uh, what is what kinds of things are actually happening now? Okay, so the steps, and we have a strategic plan we've been working on under for a couple of years. And in 2013, we went to the legislature and said, we need you to pass a bill saying we need to do a study on four ways of getting to universal health care, an essential health benefits plan, a single payer plan, a, um, a public option, or the uh, Affordable Care Act as it is, four uh-huh. different modes of getting to universal health care. Uh, the legislature passed that. And so it was, they were actually interested in universal yeah, health care. They, they, they said yes. They actually said in the bill that these are our goals, all this various criteria of what a health care system should look like, and that was as, almost as important as anything, that they defined this universal system that had all these qualities of equity and so forth. Well, they passed the bill, but they didn't fund it. So they said private people can fund it. Well, not enough money was raised between then and 2015. So we went back to the legislature and said, we raised this much money. Uh, can the state do the rest? And they ra- they passed the bill. And this, is, this was bipartisan on both of these bills. And they passed a bill uh, funding it for 300000 An additional 70000 came in from the Oregon Health Authority, 30000 more that we had raised. They had $400,000, and they put it out to bid last year nationally to find a an, a research organization, an objective research organization to do the study. Several groups um, bid on it, and the RAND Corporation, a national research corporation that has done a lot of respected healthcare studies, got the bid, or won the bid, and they completed the study by f- fall of last year, and during this legislative session, um, the 2017, uh, they had major. We had major hearings of the of the House Healthcare Committee, the Senate Healthcare Committee, as well as public hearings with the Rand Corporation and other experts testifying on what they'd learned. And they did learn that all things being considered of the four ways of getting there, you wouldn't get to universal health care with the Affordable Care Act, which we already knew. We know that. (laughs) Um, And the other two options were kind of uh, universal health care light. They weren't getting us there. 
the most cost-effective, most efficient way is um, single-payer. And they also outlined some of the challenges. We talked earlier before this interview about the ERISA, the laws, the federal laws having to do with companies and their retirement plans and their health plans. And there are some barriers to getting to uh, a relationship with the federal government to create a state-based single-payer plan that came out in the study. But this is all information that now, the next step in this process is Sen our, uh, Senator Michael Dembro, who is our lead um, champion on this issue, and who uh, has now, we have actually 30 co-sponsors on the single-payer bill in this last session. Out of 90 legislators, we already have a third of the legislators supporting this. Uh, Michael Dembro will be putting together a work group of legislators and stakeholders between now and the 18th session to start studying what we where where we go from here. How do we build a universal health care plan from the RAND study? Um, and then we will compare that with our existing bill we've been run, r running in the legislature on single payer. And part of what that will do is actually define the revenue sources, which tax sources will we use to pay for this and how we'll create the system. And we'll go back to the legislature in 2018 and 19 and ask them to do a referral to the ballot in 2020, uh, a legislative referral to the ballot. If they fail to do so, we are preparing to start collecting signatures and and do a ballot measure to do universal health care in 2020. Right, and that's going to require a lot of work. Yes. yes. Yeah. <laughs> and about this lot of work, so you're going to ask something. Yeah, no, no, no go ahead. I want to bring something that is uh, essential to this movement. Uh, and we know we have been a lot, a lot aware about this and discussing every board meeting every month. And that's for six years already, at least, since I really decided to join myself and with the Spectators Collective and uh, Dulles as well. So anyways, the point is about health equity. Mm -hmm. So yeah. equity, actually, I would like to just remind people, we are not talking about equity and economics in terms of, uh, you know, my equity of my house but it's great example actually because when you think about this if you can have your equity in our house why we cannot have equity in our health mm -hmm. which is everyone has the right to receive a good care you know doesn't matter how much how much you how much money you make monthly you know in your salary or whatever kind of a work you have uh, or if you even have some uh, some work, because many cannot ha cannot be working right now, but these people would deserve to have health care, the same quality that we're talking about. Right. So when we say everyone is everyone, and that includes everyone, including who works here daily, to support this um, huge, amazing capital economy, mm -hmm. uh, capitalist economy, which is immigrants. So immigrants and disabled people and, you know, all, we have Homeless to talk about in mm -hmm. inclusion. We have to right. talk about LGBTQ groups. We have to talk about everyone. Doesn't matter. It's not just about communities of color. No, it's about everyone. And so in towards this process, as I mentioned, when we created Pocek, then here, Charla, you know, in the years before, really healthcare for all is uh, formed the way we are nowadays. Uh, so what we are talking about is that we decided since 2015 was my proposal initially, rightly when I mm -hmm. wait, why we don't have an equity committee inside of the healthcare for Oregon mm -hmm. because we have been discussing the importance of engaging everyone and the youth as well. So mm -hmm. part of all of this is part of our movement, and uh, so we started doing some things and more. Um, on purpose, you know, uh, really focused to engage everyone. And just recently, we decided that this is going to be another committee, official committee, which is the equity committee, to really work with everybody similar, similar uh, to the way that Vermont has done for the last three years before they passed the most important bill in 2011, which was they created what they called Solidarity uh, School, which was for everybody to understand, wait, what is this thing about race, ethnicity, gender? What is about, you know, disability? What is about immigrate, immigrants? So then, and oppression, 
Who does not live under oppression in this capitalist society? I want to ask anybody who can raise their hands and say this. Oh, I don't. Because this is something I, that's why I do theater of the oppressed, okay? Right. Yeah, I really challenge everyone. And we have been challenging also the legislators as Lee had been witnessing <laughs> there, you know, bringing them to, oh my gosh, I want to do this too because I believe you are right, uh, but let's see how I can change this problem. Right. It's not that easy. We know it's not. Right. But that's why we need the participation of everyone. And this idea of, uh, you know, workshops, uh, equity trainings, we don't know yet. And uh, by the way, I want to mention our great co-chair, our colleague, uh, which is Glendora uh, Clay Brooks, which has been a great colleague and working on with me in health equity. Uh, and now we are really putting together some ideas to, uh, not ideas, sorry, we have lots of ideas. We're putting together officially trainings, activities, and even an equity caucus for whoever wants to be part of. But this committee, uh, a small committee that would really kind of a leading the steps uh, toward uh, 2020. So by a chance, Lee, or no, I think it's not coincidence or synchronicity that three years before the, the big day to be are thinking as much as Vermont have done, so we have to go to every corner, okay, Kitty? We need mm -hmm. to uh, recruit every person we can from right. our colleges, schools, and Absolutely. universities, high school, everybody who can and be involved. And even and out in the... And work together. That's in the all. farthest reaches of Oregon. Like, mm -hmm. I've got a good yes. friend down in um, Talent, Oregon, who's really, really involved in this, you know, doing demonstrations and marches and all kinds of stuff in talent mm -hmm. oregon you know and and talking uh, towards the idea of health equity like another thing that really uh, is one of my passions about families in action is the latino health equity conference which has been already for six years and we have been looking to engage more people from healthcare for oregon to also participate in this and i want to tell you this year was an amazing uh conference towards more latino aging but next year we are already working on it and this is going to be on emotional health and immigration Excellent. and everyone mm -hmm. in fact because including i have been working and supporting trainings for health professionals in how they should take care of themselves so all of these including have been thinking gosh how much healthcare providers they do have some kind of a health insurance that covers their self-care they don't right. they don't really consider they no no no. i am the, the the care provider here right so they are concerned about their their sick people their patients anyways the conference is going to be next year on june 28 uh at the double tree so very easy to get here in portland and it's open to everyone we are inviting everyone and that will be one of our steps with healthcare for mm -hmm. oregon Right, just it, it, like so. Basically, just pulling in as many people as you can mm -hmm. from every every area, every factor, every walk of life. Mm -hmm. And you see, there are issues that we never thought that right. you know can be discussed. You know, bring people together. Well, even as you say, I mean, it could be maybe this is the big bring America together again moment. You mm -hmm. know, I mean, Republicans yes. even talking about yes. it. Yes, <laughs> because even Republicans are starting to. Oh my gosh, I have to right. learn about this. <laughs> and our plight, you know, definitely isn't within the small Portland little bubble that is of liberal Portland you know we're expanding to eastern Oregon like rural healthcare clinics are difficult it's a mess there's not a lot of resources and so people have to tra travel so long to come to Portland to a large hospital no we are looking to care and love and support everyone right. in the state and this isn't a party issue this is not a liberal issue this is a human survival issue and that's it this is great. Meanwhile, I do have a caller apparently called in and asked, this is a more technical question again, what happens to the employees of companies that already cover them? I mean, so this they would just shift off if this worked? Yeah, I mean, the current bill as written would replace the employer-based healthcare system. Actually, businesses are loving this idea because they're sick of the cost of healthcare and of managing healthcare. So essentially, um, the current vision is everyone in the state is covered by 
this central system, you would no longer have employer base, so it's no longer the employer's responsibility. <laughs> that doesn't say the employers are gonna get off or we're gonna get off as individuals helping pay for this, because one of the models is an, a payroll tax that would be done, but a 10% payroll tax, which is what Colorado envisioned for the, for the system they put on the ballot last year, which would have been two-thirds employer, one-third employee, that 10%, imagine what those employers are paying now. They're paying 15 to 20% of payroll for health care. So 10% of payroll is a savings. Mm -hmm. And yeah. with that savings, they can pay their people more. Mm -hmm. So this is the vision we have. And it actually, it's good for business. It's good for labor because labor unions pay a heck of a lot for their insurance. Mm -hmm. it's, it's good for everybody. It sounds great. I'm, and another question, but I just want to stop again to let people know you're tuned to the Recovery Zone on KBOO Portland, and we're talking about healthcare for all Oregon and how to get it happening here. Uh, a universal single payer healthcare system. Just say it out. It's a good word. Um, so Nan Sandra Hernandez, Lee Mercer, and Kate Thomas are all part of Healthcare for All Oregon and working on all kinds of different aspects of making it happen. And the caller also had a, one other little question. How would a single payer plan make a transition from employee-based health coverage? How do, you, how do you do the shift, basically? The transition will be that the new system is in place before the old insurance goes away. Uh -huh. And one of the things that a lot of people bring up is, what about all of the people that are currently working in the right. industry and exactly. they'll be made unemployed? We actually had Gerald Friedman from the University of Massachusetts Massachusetts Amherst do a study three years ago on what a single-payer system would look like in Oregon when it gets passed. And he did all of the financial projections, the economic modeling, and with the people losing jobs from the insurance industry but gaining jobs in the health care industry, more nurses, more nurses' aides, more, every, more doctors, um, after the transition to single payer, there would be a net gain of 50,000 jobs in Oregon. So we would actually have a stimulus effect to the economy, not a loss of jobs, but a gain of jobs. Right. Well, you know, I, I was a physical therapist and mm -hmm. working in uh, skilled nursing facilities. There's never enough people there to help the actual patients, you know, just getting them to the toilet, that kind of mm -hmm. thing. The wait times for that sort of thing were just atrocious. And... I, I always thought, like, yeah, we need more of that going on and less of the administrative fighting, you know, yeah. And so. I definitely feel like a lot of people are concerned with any amount of change. Like, I myself work in the medical insurance industry, and that would mean I would lose Your my, job. Yeah, I would lose my job. Right. But I don't know if any of you have read um, anything by Michael Gladwell, but his biggest thing about revolutionary change is... If you are arguing that something needs to change in a sit situation, that means you love the situation enough that you are able to take a loss for that. If you think people need healthcare and that will constitute myself losing my job, I believe in the bigger picture. You got to take a loss for five wins, you know? Which is hard to swallow. Yeah. But once you recognize that, like, the fact that the healthier your neighbors are, the healthier you will be then it's easier to take one step at a time. How know? do we get the big picture? <laughs> Sometimes, I, I so yeah, that's that's a big one because you know I'm seeing like some CEO of a, a big insurance company. I mean his his loss would be probably mm -hmm. a, you know hundreds of thousands of dollars of income every year. You know, honestly, you just gotta check your priorities. Like, do you want that extra bonus or do you want 10, 20 people to get? basic health care coverage you know you really have to have that conversation with yourself of how much you love and want to support your own community so. yeah that's a that's a big shift mm -hmm. in a lot of people's consciousness i yep. think but everyone wants to be an activist right now since we're in the trump era so <laughs> i think that's There's pretty hope. important right. well stephanie thank you katie for bringing it that's wonderful because well, people know also from my background, I'm a psychologist from Brazil, and really my point is critical uh, consciousness. And this, is, this actually comes from Paulo Freire from Brazil, uh, known uh, educator and pedagogy of the oppressed. So it's really about you know, self-knowledge. 
uh, which is underneath the point that if I'm really thinking about not the socialization, but I'm thinking about, you know, what good I'm doing this life, you know, uh-huh. who am I? Yeah. I'm, you know, you might start only thinking after your 50s, but, you know, many people are thinking mm-hmm. why we are now 15s uh, or 20s and really a hey, changing the world. And that's the way we are going to do. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, um, I just uh, was thinking to say one uh, more quick thing about the, the you know, towards the, the, the health equity or the equity thing that uh, I was just here remembering, wait a minute, when we're talking about um, comes of color like Latinos and African Americans, Native Americans, so we cannot think that it's just about immigrants. Like today we have Latino immigrants, we have Asian immigrants, we have uh, African, uh, uh, sorry, African immigrants, but all these people, we are already like Latinos in the third or fourth generations of people here. Mm-hmm. So they are already Latino Americans or African Americans or whatever. So forming the black community. So it's a completely different way of uh, seeing as well the world uh, uh, already. So this is about acknowledging that actually like any of us here have come from a different country. Oh, every one so of us. So people have to right. think about these when we are talking in, you know, equity, uh, health equity is for everyone who came from any other country with the dreams that we would have something new here and that we would build this together. Right. So build together is also respecting each other in terms of, you know, how can we share instead of just thinking about me, 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 right? right. So uh, myself is important. I have to take care of myself so I can take care of you. Mm-hmm. However, I also have to think if I have to share some. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, it, and like Lee just said, so the, the organization is going to gain. So yeah. it's business. It, we're not taking nothing from nobody. Right. We are just mm-hmm. sharing what is already there. Right. The, the insurance agent can go back to school and become a medical professional. Mm-hmm. You know? Yes. Like, and, and somehow this will even be paid for, you know? So... I mean, it just seems like it's it's totally win-win for this. But um, so you guys are are making a lot of stuff happen. You've got grassroots things going on. You've got um, community education. I guess a big thing in community education is just making people understand taxes will go up, but <laughs> really costs go down. Mm-hmm. So how to how to really get that message out is part of the community education, right? Yeah, and Kate can talk more about what she's doing in terms of getting out there, but we basically do. We are out in the communities every weekend, every week. We were at the Salem Art Fair. We were in Oregon City. All across the state, we have 14 chapters around the state, and we're out tabling at farmers markets. We're out doing film screenings of great films we have on the value of the single-payer system from various perspectives. And um, so there's a lot of public education going on. Before we go any further, we should remind people that we you can learn about us at hcao.org, uh, Healthcare for All Oregon hcao.org and go to the statement of support on that page and sign up and then you're in our database and you will get updates monthly also there's a volunteer page and when you volunteer that will go to our state coordinator who will then communicate with our regional coordinator to help you get involved in the fight to create um, this um, vision in Oregon, hcao.org. But Kate can probably talk about uh, the kind of work she and her interns are doing to get out on the street. What is that then? So we just hired on three separate interns and they're all working on a few different things right now. Um, Basically our two main plights for this summer is walking around with clipboards um, with signature logs which again you can find at hcao.org and then we're also working on our social media campaign and so we're reviving our twitter and instagram and facebook because it's super important that we're able to reach so many people on different platforms but you know if you see one of us walking around with our clipboard please don't be scared because i know there's a lot of clipboards in portland but we're just trying to tell people that like hey this isn't a fantasy anymore you know we have the numbers for you and we have all the details for all of your questions but begin the conversation and if anyone's listening that's you know 40 years or younger right now get involved a lot of people don't think about their health until you are detrimented but any of you that are young, please like take care right now, and this is how you do it. 
Right, and and so you're basically out there, and you you've got to get a lot more numbers. That's part yeah. of this deal, mm-hmm. right? Because what what you have twenty thousand people now, but I saw you needed to go up to sixty thousand. Yeah, we're mm-hmm. actually we're shooting to go from the twenty three thousand in our database to eighty thousand, which 80, is about three percent of the registered voters in twenty twenty. This is our platform because we want these supporters to help us collect the signatures to get even bigger numbers to get on ballot. So um, we. We need to be getting 30 people a day or 900 people a month into our database. And so if you see a clipboard or if you go to hcao.org, and just plug sign, in. <laughs> sign the statement of support and you've joined the movement. Yeah, you don't even need to Yay. be social. You can stay in your pajamas, you can stay in your house, <laughs> and you can get involved that way with just your computer. It's right. easy. Right. Or your phone, you know. You don't even need the computer nowadays, right? Yeah, right. right. Just plug on. In fact, and uh, yeah, hopefully we've got thousands of listeners right in this moment. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just plugging in, hcao.org, uh, and and the statement of support is basically then what are we supporting? We're supporting. Uh, the RAND reports support of a single-payer system. The statement of support is basically, and it's a longer sentence, but it's basically supporting a universal publicly funded health care system, mm-hmm. an equitable system that covers everybody, comprehensive health care. Um, it's, I mean, who can vote against that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's coming in, and it's coming in big. And then um, the legislation stuff, like we said, and you're part of the mobilization committee, so that's doing a lot with just trying to, what exactly is mobilization? So mobilization is helping support people like Kate and people like uh, Sandra and people around the sp- uh, state to make sure that we have volunteers at the tables at such and such a fair or people in, there's a parade coming up in Beaverton in September. We need people in that parade with the red t-shirts and the banners we have huge turnout at the corvallis parade at the july 4th parade in medford we're out there educating the public on the need for health care for all and branding health care for all oregon as a movement um, throughout the state that needs we we've had film screenings recently in john day and in baker city and in extremely rural parts of oregon and people are coming out Walden, um, Congressman Walden out in, in, in Eastern Oregon went to um, town halls where hundreds of people were showing up and saying, no, you're not gonna take our, our healthcare system together in Congress. You guys are doing a terrible job. And he would say, well, what do you want, single payer? And the whole crowd would go, yeah. <laughs> this is in Eastern Oregon. In Eastern this Oregon. isn't in Portland. Right. Well, maybe amazing. We'll, maybe we'll get rid of Walden. Um. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're nonpartisan. <laughs> <laughs> and and so so there is a, a whole lot of more support. That's what you're just really picking up all over the, the place. The other thing that's really interesting this year is, if you remember back in January, there was a big rally to save health care. 2,000 people showed up and Blumenauer was there and uh, Schrader. I mean, all the Congress people were there. And at one moment in time, uh, Congressman Blumenauer said, well, maybe we should take another look at single payer. The whole crowd, 2,000 people went, yeah. Well, even and Schumer, I, mm-hmm. I saw on the news just w- yesterday. Within a week of that meeting, Blumenauer signed on to H.R. 676, the National Expanded and Improved Medicare for All Act. A week or so after that, um, Bonamici signed on, DeFazio signed on. So three of our five Congress people have signed on. Over 100 members of Congress have now signed on to single payer nationally. Merkley's and, supposedly saying he's for it. Yeah, mm-hmm. Merkley is now speaking about it. Wyden's talking about a state-based system and Oregon being a good candidate for that because we're so advanced. Mm-hmm. The only, uh, we're still pressuring anybody that's in Congressman Schrader's district should be uh, we sent out 300 postcards to him on Monday saying, sign on to H.R. 676. That's the National um, Expanded and Improved Medicare for All Act by Representative Conyers. Um, please ask Congressman Schrader to sign on. We need to, all four of our Democrats on that. That's incredible. So so that's that's actually sounds like there's a lot of, just to get more names on your page basically is all you really need to do. Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, is there any, we just maybe got a minute left, any last thoughts anybody wants to bring to the table here? 
I just really want to emphasize those that are on the younger side that are listening to this. It is imperative that you get involved and it is so important that you have this conversation with yourself, your friends, and your family. That single pair is an option. It's not socialized medicine. It's just loving yourself and loving your neighbor. And again, if you want to get involved, hcao.org and sign the petition. Well, the same I'd like to say, uh, mis amigos, mis amigas que estén escuchando nosotros, por favor, hablan, habla con nosotros o busca información en la página de hcao.org, uh, eh, hcao.org. Uh, so, Healthcare for Oregon is really the organization that is supporting, uh, you know, the coalition supporting all this work we are talking about que estamos aquí hablando y sí porque es importantísimo que ustedes se involucren es importante es fundamental de latino communities um, African American communities Native Americans everybody Asians please don't let it go LGBT groups connect with us we need everyone there Okay, well, I really appreciate all of you having been here. Um, this has been The Recovery Zone on KBOO Portland. I'm Stephanie Potter, and I've been speaking with uh, Lee Mercer and Sandra Hernandez and Kate Thomas, who are all part of Healthcare for All Oregon, HCAO.org. Um, thank you, Tammy, for your fine engineering, and thank you for listening. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Gracias. Jazz Lives is coming up. Marcia's waiting in the wings to bring you that after KBOO Noon Headline News. It's 12 o'clock at KBOO Portland. It's time for the KBOO News at Noon for Wednesday, July 26, 2017. In a series of tweets this morning, United States President Donald Trump has said, After consultation with my generals and military experts, please be advised that the United States government will not accept or allow transgender individuals to serve in any capacity in the United States military. Amongst public outcry were the voices of Chelsea Manning, 20-year military veteran and former Navy SEAL Team 6 member Kristen Beck, and the unlikely Senator Orrin Hatch from Utah. In a 185-page report, UN investigators have accused a militarized coalition led by Saudi Arabia of carrying out a deadly attack on a Somali migrant boat 